Everybody, welcome to another edition of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Arizona, the show of Mescal yet again. Today's guest is the face and traveling salesman of Mescal Vago, Francisco Terrazas. Francisco is a bearded gentleman. I at one point thought we couldn't get along. I thought he was perhaps a bit surly. But you know what? Sometimes it's just me. He's a lovely, lovely guy, and we have a great chat about a lot of things, a couple of things in common, both having grown up in Arizona partially, but mostly it's about the mezcal, and there are some insanely poetic pieces to this conversation, and I hope you guys really enjoy this conversation with Francisco Terrazas. question a lot especially yeah. like especially at, at i would get it a lot at Peshawar because people would it, you know inherently ask about you know because it, it had that was a bottle that had been aged in in clay for 30 days yeah right or 30 oh, the, the 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 blend that you guys had right right and people yeah. Im- immediately ask like oh how does that affect it you know and then um and then people started asking about how you know aging in glass and how does that affect it and all i could really tell them was that i dramatically saw the bottle change over the year and a half that we had it like yeah. from the first bottlings we got like it was pretty raw and like pretty it raucous is. it's really tight and kind of you know? thin it's yeah. i don't know why that is though but then towards the end it really like it really smoothed itself out yeah and i don't really know what it is but i mean like i've had some longer age mezcals i think sansiscon is the name of the company i think they're out of michuacan uh-huh. but most of their bottlings have been aged like on the order of a few years in really? glass before they bottle them and release them it's and it, there's just something special that happens and i, I you know to be honest, like there's a lot of faith in, in, <laughs> that that things are just going to be what they're going to be. There's a lot of things that happen when you talk about bourbon, you talk about mezcal. Oh, yeah. That just fucking happen that people don't really have a scientific explanation for. Oh, yeah. There's like this mat, this air of magic that occurs, you know? And that's the thing with uh, mezcal specifically. Like, Yeah, more so than others, I think. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't explain it. All I know is it's it's frigid <laughs> at first. And it's not willing to open up, but you give it, you just give it some time on the shelf and it just absolutely expands, becomes rich. And it's like far more lovely than it ever was. I think so. Like, I think, I think, I think age spirits, this is actually what kind of got me into the unaged categories. I found, I found more, I found more to learn and explore within the unaged category versus something like a, like a a heavily aged bourbon or something like that. Right. You know. Is, they, they progress over time, but I feel like that that wood has such has had such an influence that that is going to be what it's going to be. Totally right. It, Whereas agave spirits are much more when they get put in bottle. I feel like they're much more in their in their adolescence. Absolutely, yeah. it's a strange thing, and I think that that's a really important distinction to make. So I love bourbon. I'm sure you you're, you love bourbon as well. I love mezcal, mm-hmm. and the thing is that the maturity, not even the literal maturation of the spirit, but the barrel is what gives life. To the bourbon. Absolutely. Not yeah. the dist and then people can argue and that's fucking fine. I don't care, right? But the yeah. distillate 
a wheat distillate isn't that exciting. It's yeah, not exactly. riveting. It's not dynamic, right? And so the barrel is what, in those seasons, that's what really gives it its flair. But mezcal, you the, the thing that, that I appreciate about mezcal and distilling agave spirits in most cases, but especially mezcal because there's it's more clay still, it's pot, mm-hmm. you know, is that there is no interference from the from man. It is right. just the approach to fermenting and distilling, and then you get the spirit of it. It just is what it is. And that's one of the things that I think is not necessarily... By the people who know, I think it's really appreciated. Yeah. Um, but I was in Seattle recently, and I had brought a bottle of the um, of, of Vagos, uh, of our Blanco y Negra, yeah. which was the black label that had gone through the New York market. Yeah, that definitely. Nicholas bought at PM mm-hmm. Spirits. And that was a blend of two different agave Americana, uh, agave Americana varietals, uh, the Blanco yeah. and the Sierra Negra. But the Blanco, and I didn't realize this until after I'd followed up with Judah, but that Blanco was a plant that was over 45 years old. The, the, those particular plants harvested? Yeah, Tio no grandfather had, had, had planted them oh, man. and then just kind of left them in their own devices out on the hillsides till they were ready. And it was wow. like uh, on the order of, I think, 45 years, I think is how old they were, that's roughly. Insane. By the time they'd been harvested, and that's something that people don't really appreciate until you tell them because i yeah. mean we don't put we don't normally put that on our bottles no it's not necessarily right? important but but, but it, at the same time like we're, we're talking about how how the 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 wood is what gives life to a bourbon or, right. or an aged rum for example not the not the cane variety yeah right or right. the wheat variety you know but i mean when you think about a, a, an annual crop and less year after year after year it it there's less i feel like there's there's less to that particular year's crop yeah. Versus an agave bottling where it's, you know, decades, decades old. And I think that's one of the most fascinating and, and I don't know, for lack of a better term, romantic things about mezcal that it people is. don't really realize. Like you're, you know, there's a, there's an entire life cycle of, of that sure. plant. You, yeah, you, you don't, t- so big difference. So mm-hmm. you, let's say you get a bottle of 25 year old bourbon. Right. Yep. And, and again, the original spirit is relatively lost at that point mm-hmm. or it has been masked by the seasons and the barrel itself but mezcal if you think like that's why i really love tepestate is because it's such an old varietal and it matures so yeah they're like, usually around 25 years exactly you know, and older. so you in a, in a sense like you step into a history book like you are trans transported to these other kinds of seasons these other years you basically are consuming a plant that in this case, if you're talking about the the Blanco, is that mm-hmm. what it's yeah, th- mm-hmm. that has existed longer than you have. Yeah, and absolutely. It has absorbed all of those experiences in a pure sense. Just the seasons, the cold, the hot, you know. Right. And you taste that. And I don't. I again, man. Like people say, well, you, you, we nerd out about mezcal, or we get too detailed about it. No, fuck that. Like that is a special spirit because in no other category really oh, yeah. does that ever exist. Where where else do you have some fruit? Or some exactly. grain that's forty years old. You don't. There's no way. The only thing that I could think of that would really be more impressive is when you see these like fifteen hundred year old trees, like right. these cypress trees, right? Oh, it's like you can't really you're never gonna be able to drink that cypress tree. But right. that thing has been around since but the But you time look of, at it and you're like in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and that's the closest that I think you can get from a cons- to, you know, as, as far as consumers go to as far as anybody can go to, yeah. to really like drinking what was going on, like a, drinking you know, history. history. Yeah. 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 It's and to think that that'll cost you only, I mean, I'm not trying to say that $100, $150 isn't expensive, but to think that you're drinking history for $100 to $150, I'm, I'm all right with that. 
Yeah, I'm totally right. Yeah, put it in a years to dollar like ratio, yeah, exactly. right? Versus like a that's birth. a hell of a deal. Yeah, exactly. You get that <laughs> yield on my COD, right? Like <laughs> it's horrible. But that that's the thing about mezcal, and that's kind of what makes it romantic. And and we'll talk about more what drew you mm-hmm. as if it if it wasn't just self evident because mezcal right. to me is like self evident. There's it's not a struggle to try to love it, right? It just it is that beautiful. And then the, working with Judah, obviously, yeah, the, the an amazing guy with great personality and stuff in the a industry gem, as yeah. well. A gem, for sure. A fucking surfer gem. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you don't get a lot of the, you know, I've right? Point Break doesn't that. Surfer like, dirt bags. I mean, uh, Patrick Swayze is kind of a gem in Point Break. Like he's, you know, you're like, I- yeah, but then he's got his four other guys. That, like, those there's guys are one. doofuses. Yeah, man. Total, total <laughs> fucking doofuses. So, so you made a trek and this is, we, we were chatting a little bit. Yeah. Kind of, you know, before, before you came into the show and then we've been chatting to try to arrange everything. But so you had, you've had a national tour, it seems like. So you're home base. Get in there, yeah. Yeah. Are you home based in Houston or are you Luckily, in yeah. Yeah, I'm still, I still get to be based out of Houston. Okay. Yeah. And you went and took a trip to Maine. Uh, and there's this riveting tale that I really would like to to regale. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, this poor, oh, this poor kid. He didn't know what the hell to do. Um, yeah. I was, it was Providence, actually. It was Providence. Providence. Okay. Yeah, I was out in Rhode Island. Um, you're t- talking about my my yeah. yeah 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 so i had gone to um i'd gone to it was like my first real day on the job as far mm. as like you know touring talking to people and, and other yeah exactly yeah, yeah. like doing the like quote ambassador thing or whatever and i was in uh i was in providence we were doing a, a small like dinner at this at a restaurant called rancho grande mm. and we were just finishing up and i was talking to a, a really nice gentleman uh at a, who had run a retail shop called uh Evo, EVO in Providence, right next to uh, Johnson & Wales. It's a really, mm-hmm. really cool shop. I went in there a couple days later. But anyways, I was talking to him, and all of a sudden, I just heard this ruckus behind us, and I see everybody. Can you describe the ruckus? So it, it was just like I was facing towards the kitchen right away from yeah. the street, and, uh, and, I, and I, heard, I heard some crash behind me, and it didn't sound too serious, but then I get like I see it was like in a it was like watching an, an action movie where you just see everybody like stand up and their eyes get real big. Right. So I knew something was going on behind me, and I turned around, I didn't see anything. It looked totally fine. But then I started talking to people around me like, Did you see where the guy went? Did you see where the guy went? And oh, so I go outside and this poor kid, my rep who had brought me to the restaurant mm. had parked right in front of the uh, restaurant. And apparently it was like five in the afternoon and some drunk driver had pulled an illegal U-turn and just completely destroyed the left side of this kid's oh, car. Shit. So he just, and like took off and Marco, uh, Marcos, the guy who, the son of the people who run the restaurant, like he's a fucking badass. Man. Yeah, he's always posting these crazy pictures about him doing like these uh, Spartan runs in Fenway and stuff like Feats that. Feats of heroism. Yeah, he yeah. just like jumped in this person's car and just to, he he did not know, but this guy was like, "Hey, I saw the guy. I saw the guy take off." He's like, "Fuck it, let's go." So he just takes off after <laughs> this guy and just drove off in the stranger's car and like ran the guy down. It's amazing. Yeah, it was remarkable. He was, and he found him. You said, "Yeah, he found him, man." And the guy had like. Uh, the guy had like gotten in trouble for having an open container in the car before, so that fucking mess. But my poor rep, man, he was, he was just like, I didn't know what to do. I just ended up hanging out at the restaurant, which was great. It's yeah. like a little family-run place. They just like gave us food and shit all night. But this poor rep, like his car was just fucking destroyed. Like God. cracked his axle and it's just whole, didn't oh know God, what to do. Horrible, yeah. yeah, so I was just like cruising around Providence for the next couple of days by myself, which was fine. Yeah. But I just felt so bad for this guy because we were. He was just like trying to. Just trying to do. Well, his it's job, a hell man. of a way to, to to punctuate your yeah your beginning of your U.S. tour. Yeah, exactly. I was like, man, you fucking guys in Providence are fucking out of control, <laughs> man. <laughs> who would have Who would have thought? I mean, not to have any kind of assumptions about Maine or yeah, sorry, or, Rhode, or, Rhode, or Island, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, 
that's pretty that's some that's some deep shit already yeah they're like oh yeah that happens around this part of rhode uh, around providence really I like, yeah i was like i didn't think that happened anywhere in Pedestrians rhode island beware is that yeah like, i guess so jesus christ jesus, man. man like it could have easily been much worse but well, it's, but it, it's a nice, it's a nice uh, rite of passage, if you will. Yeah, into, I was like, all right, it's not going to get a lot crazier than this. It can so get worse than that. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it could get worse, but there's that's pretty bad. That's yeah, that's pretty bad. As as far as I mean, uh, I luckily it wasn't like I would have felt even worse if I was cruising around with like John Garrett oh, or something. Jesus. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. Oh, that'd be horrible. His old little Mini Cooper would have stood a chance. <laughs> would have flipped around. <laughs> Well, so before you got into this whole thing, yeah. getting into the booze industry, working at Pastry or working mm-hmm. at Fino too, I've talked to so many of, of the peers and it's, it's almost like doing, what, what is it, um, when you find out your family tree, yeah. so like starting in a particular spot and then working your way out. And I'm finding like there's this gen- genetics or this molecular foundation for cocktails and stuff in Austin. But where did you grow yeah. up? Are you from Austin? No, no. I'm from the Southwest. Uh, I have lived, I have actually lived... Pretty much my entire, aside from living in Austin for three years, yeah. I've lived within five minutes of Interstate 10. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, grew up in Tucson and now I uh, grew up in Tucson. I was there all through college. Uh, Did you my, go to school in, in Tucson? Yeah. Yeah. I went to University of Arizona. Oh, cool. high, uh, I, I lived high in school. Scottsdale for a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, and really? It, yeah, dude. No shit. I, I, remember, I remember going to uh, Arizona State, Tempe, right? Yeah, Tempe. Yeah. Yep. And I was, I was a young kid. I'm like, dude, everybody looks like they're having a lot of fun here. I want to go to college here. And that was like maybe ten years old or something. Is the Arizona experience in college yeah. all that fun? Uh, looking back, I don't think it was. But I was in such a haze at the time that I thought it was a blast. Yeah. But now I look back and I'm like, oh, there's a reason they argue. Like you know, Arizona State and Arizona, and University of Arizona. Are like, right. Well, at least we're not that big. You know, <laughs> yeah. th- that big of a piece of shit school. It just kind of goes, and I'm like, that's not really the competition you really want to be having. Between. That's that is not a good competition. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but you know, you're you're fighting for straws at that point, grasping <laughs> yeah, straws shit. and shit. So, well, yeah, you're in the middle of the Southwest. There's not a lot else going on. There I mean, isn't, I, but the weather's interesting. I always liked it. The monsoons. I talk about that a bit. Like, I love the yeah. People are always like, oh my god, it's so fucking hot. I'm like, yeah, it is. But if you're ever there to catch like two rainstorms in a day. And they both clear out by the afternoon. It's like 75 at night. Yeah. And just like the storms. Oh, it's fucking gorgeous. It is. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I took Rachel back there for my fiance um, yeah. back there recently. And her, you know, it was her first time back west. And her, she, she loved it. She thought it was one of the most beautiful places she's ever seen. So, it, it, um, can, it totally can be. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, it's really interesting to me too. The thing that, that I've never seen anywhere else. I've lived kind of all around the mm-hmm. States. But that the way that the water is just engulfed and sucked up. Without, with you can't even tell it rained. Just, oh yeah, it, it just—it's a massive hole in the desert, and it sucks all that water in, and then you never, none the wiser after it rains. Is that? It's like incredible thing. Yeah, but it's kind of like it's yeah, it's really it, it really is kind of fascinating the 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 cycle of like water and rain in, in the desert because it's yeah. so it's so parched and the monsoons can be so inundating that what you know that flash floods are a genuine issue. They're like yeah. I remember like um, the year I was born is one of the worst floods that 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 the city's ever seen. Like all the 83? washes, yeah, eighty three, yeah. yeah, all the washes. Did math real stuff. quick there, by the way. What's that? Good job, man. <laughs> and smooth as hell, man. Um, yeah, the, the the floods there are huge. Like you always see people like, like you know, people talk about those floods in uh, what what was it, two thousand and twelve? Like yeah. the 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 Halloween floods here in yeah, yeah in yeah. Austin, right? Like that happens pretty much every other year in Arizona, yeah, because wow. of the, because of the monsoons and stuff in the summer. Yeah, it's kind it's, of it's an interesting thing. How was it? Did you? 
I loved being close to Mexico. That was my first experience kind yep. of having that kind of hybrid where there's a lot of Hispanic oh, Yeah, people. I was listening to you and Javier talk the other day on, yeah. on one of my drives. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally remember yeah see i don't like he had a much more rich experience oh, yeah. if you want to call it that but like how was it growing up in tucson uh, is, it, is it is it diverse oh yeah absolutely it's 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 really really interesting um i i would say it's probably more so than than i think i've found uh here in austin just because right. of the proximity to to the border sure um and you know texas has definitely had more of a more of a american influence for for lack of a better term yeah I and think then you talk about so austin you get lots of students and yeah stuff. exactly you know but arizona arizona is still very 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 um hispanic i think in, yeah. in culture and nature um did you did you have what you would call like a traditional spanish hispanic kind upbringing? of kind of yeah it was i was i was I, I find myself i think that's one of the reasons mezcal has become so important to me now mm. is because i think i really um i kind of lost it a little bit growing up um because I grew up with my grandparents. Uh, my my mother was in the picture, but she was going in. She was going to law school when I was in my in my young adolescence. Yeah, so I was, in, I was like, in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd spend the day with my grandparents. I would fall asleep at their house. She would pick me up at night after school. Working hard. Work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fucking busting her ass. Um, so I grew up with my grandparents. And that's kind of where I learned to speak Spanish. And then going to school, I grew up. Uh, I grew up going to um, in kind of like the accelerated program. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of. Of of like na- neighborhood kids that I grew up with, right? That were you, in my like class, excelling academically. Yeah, in a sense, it alienates you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And 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 you know, th- my classes were much more diverse, and maybe that's why I feel. Maybe that's part of the reason I think Tucson is very diverse because yeah. I grew up with a very diverse group of kids, and like going, you know, to different families' houses and stuff like that. And right, I think I got right. a much, a much you know, better cultural experience growing up in Tucson and less kind of. Um, ethnocentric i guess than than i think a lot of kids yeah really did whether like kids who grew up in the you know because I, I grew up in the far west part of tucson and and spent a lot of time in the southern part of tucson where it's very very hispanic you know mm-hmm. if you're going to neighborhood schools that's 90 percent of what the student body is but yeah. i'd always kind of trekked across the city to go to school so uh, i got a very different experience growing up so it wasn't super super steeped in in hispanic tradition you know, in, in my elementary and, and, and middle school days. But there are elements just around. Oh, right? yeah. Like, for example, my entire family grew up in about probably three square miles from, like, my... Oh, great- no kidding. Yeah, my great-grandparents, my great-grandparents live... My great-grandparents' <clears throat> house where my mother grew up was no further than about three miles from where my mom still lives today. Oh, really? Yeah. So I grew up in a very, very, so very small pocket. So encapsulated in family. Like yeah. easily around family all the time. So wh- where was your, your dad around? Was he I in never, the picture? I, no, my dad wasn't really in the picture. Uh, he went back to California when I was very, very young. Yeah. And I never Just really... kind of jet, jet. Yeah, yeah. His, uh, his mom, I think, had gotten sick or something out in California. And, mm. and he uh, he split with my mom to, to go take care of her back in California. So. Understood. And you were pretty young at that point, I guess. Yeah, I was like not even maybe two years old yeah. when that all went down. Um, so, yeah, I was born in D.C. because my mom was doing a fellowship. And that's where they split up. And then my mom came back to Arizona to uh, to keep going to law school. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I grew up with my par- uh, my grandparents. That's kind of where I picked up a little bit of Spanish. Do you, do you know, I, I grew up to a single mom as well, like yep. for, for a long time. God bless him, man. Eight or nine. Yeah, it's, yeah. Diff- it's a different experience. But do you feel like, and I, I talked to Justin Lavenue about this too yesterday, like do you feel like it gives you a better sense of manners and a better understanding and like sense of empathy for, for women in general? Because it, it did for, for me, I, I respect... I, 
if maybe it was different, I would treat mm-hmm. women in a different way. But like now, I just revere them so so highly because of being raised that way, you know. Yeah, absolutely. No, I would. No, I think that I think that's an easy yes question. Like, yeah. of course. Like, I don't think. I mean, granted, that's definitely based. Like, there's. I'm sure there's plenty of single mothers who have terrible relationships with their kids. Oh, sure. You know, but yeah. You know, if you're blessed to have to have one of the good ones, I think it. I think. Well, it, she's really driven, obviously ambitious. Oh smart, yeah, you know? you know, she's got. You know, she's she's been in she's been in the legal profession since since I was a kid, and yeah, and she's incredibly smart and and incredibly driven and hardworking. Um, but you know, I think it was a mix of of growing up with a single mom and then also like being raised by my grandparents, yeah. you know, that previous generation. You yeah, know, you get, you, you get respect, you get chivalry, oh. you get a nice blend of all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really, really. I grew up as kind of a like at school. School wasn't that much fun in elementary and uh, and middle school. Yeah. I was kind of a big nerd, and probably part of it was because I was raised by a single mom. <laughs> like I was allowed what, to so be a little what, bit what nerdy. Kind of, what, what would what made you a nerd at that point? Like an interest in Magic the Gathering, as I found a lot of bartenders are into. Yeah, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't that. I was actually, um, I went to, I've definitely been to a uh, Star Trek convention. Oh, that's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely, that's that's definitely great. have. Yeah, I definitely dressed up as a Star Trek character. No for, kidding. Old or new? Halloween. Uh, Original? Next Generation. Oh, okay. Okay. Next, well, yeah, there we Patrick go. Patrick Stewart. Yeah. 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 Patrick Stewart era. He is a looker, though. So. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's so regal, too. Yeah. Like that voice. Oh, yeah, dude. Have you, ever watched, have you seen Blunt Talk? I've watched a few episodes, but I don't have Showtime. But yeah. I've like kind of caught a couple of them it's here and there. It's interesting. But like, I, so I immediately I heard an interview with him recently, mm-hmm. and I was like, huh. He talks about like really tough times with his dad and stuff. I'm like, this is really, really. He's a gentleman. Great background in theater and all this. But like, yeah. I said, what? What was the? What's the one question anybody thinks of it with Patrick Stewart? I think it is. What does Patrick Stewart look like with hair? And so that's <laughs> <laughs> so that's I went and I found a picture of one hair. I'm like, geez, he was a dapper son of a bitch. Oh, I'm sure. It's insane. I'm sure, man. It's you can't, almost unfair. You can't be that good looking bald and not have been good looking with hair. Like with hair. Yeah. Right. It's, it's great. It's great. Like, I don't think there's you're you're very lucky if you get bald and be like, you actually look a lot. He's better maybe one now. of the only white dudes that look good looks good bald <laughs> like that. Bruce Willis, kind of. Yeah. But but that's there's like five. Yeah. That's it. Like that's about it, you know. So Star Trek conventions, just having a kind of a purple curiosity sweat, like for purple sweatpants. My mom would wear like purple <laughs> sweatpants, and, and I'll wear yeah. And uh, oh god, it was it was I, like I remember. Oh god, I remember one year. I don't know how she let me do this, just because she wanted me, me me to be myself. I think one yeah. year I went to, to middle school for Halloween as like a, a like a court jester, <laughs> and she like made me tights to wear. So I was like the one kid in middle school like, tights. <laughs> And she would just let me wear that shit and not make wait, wait, anything of it. That's amazing, though. Yeah. It's like no yeah, boundaries. But yeah, it's exactly. Not like disrespect. It's just no creative boundaries. Yeah. Just do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, that, that Adam Sandler movie, Big Daddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. where he lets the kid call himself Frankenstein. And, yeah, why yeah. not? Yeah, fuck what's, it. What's the just problem? be yourself, when, man. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like you turn out, you, you weren't, seemingly, you were a smart kid, a nerdy kid. You didn't cause a lot of problems. No, not starting fights no, with people. No, she was actually. That's one of the things I think. I, I it could have easily gone south with me. I have. Uh, I had. I had some cousins growing up who who were were always around because we both kind of were taken care of by our grandmother. Where yeah. all of us were taken care of by my grandmother. Uh, but they kind of were in and out of uh, in and out of trouble when they were growing up. My mom was very adamant that whenever they took off, like down the street, yeah, you know, I had to stay at I had to stay at Nana T's house while they kind of went off down the street and played. So. Gotcha. I think it paid off, and I hated it when I was growing up. But yeah, she was very diligent to me. No, but sure that, that but you, you don't get it sometimes when you're younger. Like, no, what, no. What, I, but I want to do this. Like, 
Yeah, exactly. Well, they're going down the street. I have to sit here and watch fucking The Young and the Restless with Donna, (laughs) you know, but they get to go take off. General Hospital. Oh, yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) It was Price is Right. Uh, oh, Young and the Restless, though, yeah. and then something else the other day, and then something else after that. Days of Our Lives. Days of Our Lives. I think it was, it was Days of Our Lives. Yeah. I think oh, so. man. I can't. I never. I'm in. I'm not bullshitting. I never watched that stuff, but I always loved the theme music. Oh, it was well, so it's so dramatic, man. Music, and then, like, Days the, of Our Lives. Yeah, yeah. And then you have, like, the intros of everybody doing their, like, dramatic turn right. when the name comes on the screen. <laughs> Yeah, and what's the what's the term in acting? Oh, uh, indicating. Like yeah, everybody indicating like nothing else. You know? <laughs> well, so you, you so you did well in school. You're in these accelerated programs. I guess the equivalent of AP. That's what we call it in Texas. Kind of. Well, it was always on the like. I, I grew up in kindergarten across. I went to kindergarten across the street from our from our house growing up, mm-hmm. and I think my my it was like a cousin or something, a family cousin that was my kindergarten teacher. Yeah, but she wanted to put me. She wanted me to repeat kindergarten. Why? Because I guess she thought I, I I had an attention deficit problem. I think. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I was told that, but now I feel like everybody uses that. So I don't know what oh, the issue the, was. But for whatever yeah. whatever the issue was, she wanted me to repeat kindergarten, and then my mom wasn't having any of that. So she uh, she went in to talk to her, and then she had me, and then I took like some tests, and then I got put in like the elementary accelerated program. Oh, there so. you go. So it was the exact opposite. Yeah, they were exactly. willing to just paint you in a corner as a, as a kind of a stilted, well, stunted he, kid. Yeah, exactly. But I think that was kind of at the birth of all that, you yeah. know, like attention. It's like, Ooh, I've heard of this. It's just like Vice, Vice News. Oh, I've heard of Vice News. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to use that all the time for everything. Yeah, oh, I was watching Vice News. Oh, I was reading. You haven't, Vice News. Yeah, Vice, Vice News. News, man. Did you see that guy butt chugging? Vi- Vice News? <laughs> <laughs> Must be like the, the, the mecca of news, you know. Obviously. But, so when you get into, to, you said University So yeah, I did that. Right? One, yeah. one, you know, got shipped across the city for, for like elementary school. And, right. and that's kind of where I started branching out a little bit and... Did you, did you um, take like any particular interest in, in any like English or history, or just you liked it all? I liked it all, man, and I I just did it because that's where I was told, you know, that's yeah. what class I was told to take or whatever. And right, I wasn't right. like I kind of just cruised along until it wasn't really until probably high school that I really like. I switched high schools in the middle of it, and I think that was kind of a turning point for me, like actually like being engaged in things and, and kind of taking things man. seriously. Yeah, I yeah. did do that in junior year, and it was just it's like it's really difficult socially. Yeah. You know. it, yeah, it was hard socially. I was really like the the high school that I started at was really was really easy and then uh and then I uh was in with a group with a great group of kids. I was doing like swim team and all that shit and then yeah. I transferred to my other school. And it was kind of interesting cuz I, I I was back with kids that I'd gone to elementary school with. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So that's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, it was you know, good. It kids. was good, but it was a, it was a much better academic program and um so I think I didn't do very well. Like I think I got like a B like a B minus average or something. But it, it really taught me how to think, and that's kind of where I started actually kind of branching out academically and kind okay. of actually, like, genuinely taking interest in stuff. Really? Yeah. The, the depth of it, like, getting oh. down to a molecular level. That's something I've noticed about, that I don't notice about a lot of people necessarily, but you you go deep. Like, you'll find, that there'll be a concept. You talk about fermentation, for example, yeah. right? You go deep. You want to understand it at the deepest annals of that, that concept. And well, I think that's really Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know? I don't really like asking... I, I, I hate wondering why. You yes. know what I mean? Because yeah, then, because yeah. then, even if you get the next one answered, you're gonna have the next why. There's always the a, only way. Always yeah, a why. exactly. And that's what that's actually to me. That's the pursuit of life is to keep asking why. I think so. Yeah, not in an annoying way, you know. But like, just there's always another question. 
fucking always, always they're always sounds like patrick stewart talking <laughs> to me over here man stewart, yeah, man. <laughs> something something but but that's it it is and that's the pursuit of life and i think that's a great endeavor and i think that's something i really respect about you so the high school experience kind of forms and it gels and then what did you end up going to school for at university uh, honestly of man i like i went to university of Arizona. i was just i was a kind of i was halfway between just like a nerdy guy and and, yeah. a, and a bro because i was in like a shitty shitty frat and like not even were like, you living on campus i was living on campus so was that was that but it was also like it was it's university of arizona it was actually like revenge of the nerds it was like a <laughs> shitty little frat that nobody else would want to like you would tell people and wait what and they would think it's like a they would think it was like a hispanic frat or something like no it's like an actual one but what, like what is five it of us. Oh, delta, delta no what's the what's the fraternity uh what is it's it is it delta 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 delta, delta right or, yeah yeah, yeah or I, del- so. I, I, uh, I should God be I feel no that's so embarrassed that, that is inexcusable for me yeah i need to know exactly so anybody if you want to correct well, me or tweet at me let me know what fucking frat that was in revenge of the nerds i think it's delta 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 but that's also a sorority so i'm not sure shit anyways but i should know it was filmed <laughs> on the university of arizona so i should know that but Anyways, but it Were was like you focusing a on th- school though too. Not really. I was yeah. just kind of cruising along and uh, and enjoying and just kind of hanging out. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to study at all, like a lot of people. Yeah. You know, just kind of looking at it, and uh, it was really intimidating to pick something. Um, out, yeah, yeah. I uh, out of high school, I I I had gone to the University of Arizona by default because I was really on the fence. I almost went. I almost actually went to the day. I almost went to to uh, Annapolis. I was really close to going to the academy. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, and I I, I was like, they gave me a call, and, and I was thinking about it for a couple of days. And when I was seventeen, like a ten, I wanted to be like a pilot. Yeah. And when you're seven, like the, the minimum commitment, the billet was ten years if you want to be a pilot, if you even got accepted. Right. Of course, right. I thought it would be obviously be accepted. Why wouldn't I? Why not? <laughs> right. I'm seventeen. Pilots. I'm a yeah, pilot. Yeah. No. Man. Whatever. Um. But uh. The commitment was ten years, and it was really, really intimidating when I was like seventeen yeah. to be twenty. And I'm thirty-two now, but to be that's, to that's think about being twenty-seven for sure. You know, before I actually have you had my hardly life even back. lived ten years already. Yeah, right? I mean, you're seventeen. Was- yeah, exactly. I was like, that's more than half my life. Yeah, you know that 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 I would be losing. But I was like, uh, so at the last second, I decided not to. And at that point, I was. Um, I'd gotten to some other schools, but we just couldn't afford it. So uh, yeah. I ended up at the University of Arizona. So Was it kind of an interesting experience because you'd been living at home, so living in a frat, do you, you feel a little bit? larger sense of freedom and stuff being out there in the yeah definitely i think that's kind of continued to it to a negative uh, rachel <laughs> rachel's actually uh, my fiance actually probably talks to my mom more than i do now because i've kind of like i was at home till i was 18 and yeah and kind of and i, I hardly ever saw them and unless uh, unless they like dragged me and threatened to, like i don't know they would always threaten me with different things uh if i didn't if the, I didn't the family, come to family guilt's dinner. a strong one. Oh my god it's, it's really yeah, good absolutely and if yeah. i understand correctly hispanic family guilt is even more effective Oh yeah, in my family. Yeah, they don't fuck around. No, yeah, they're they're real, real serious about it. Um, <laughs> you know, just always, always like how much, how much, how much they miss you, and you know, you haven't talked to your grandmother, you haven't talked to your sister, right? Yeah, you know who would like to talk to you, your sister. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so suggestive. <laughs> so um, but yeah, like you know, it, it was cool. It was cool to branch out and and be and be at home. But it didn't really feel like a completely different world because ultimately, I was ten minutes away from home. Yeah, you know. Just um, enough space, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I went to school at another school. I went to school in Flagstaff for like a semester. Came back to Arizona. NAU in Flagstaff. Yep, yeah. NAU Lumberjacks. Yeah. yeah, that was really cool. Froze my ass off. Wasn't really for me. It was like at schools at like nine thousand feet or something. yeah, it's at eight thousand feet or something. One, beautiful up there though. Yeah, 
Yeah, I remember I was walking out of class one night and I just slipped on a piece of ice and fucking cracked my ass so hard. Oh shit! And I just lay there for like five minutes. I was like, I need, I don't belong here. Take me back to Tucson. Yeah, take me back. Yeah, I think it's like sixty-five in Tucson right now. Take me back home. So I came back and uh, and graduated with a degree in marketing and international business. No kidding. And studied some Spanish. Yeah, and then I got out. Did you graduate? I graduated in two thousand six. Six. Yes. Yeah, I did. I did the five-year plan. Um, I did the six, so you're better off. Okay. Well, it was, you know what? I mean, I'm not even a doctor, goddammit. I spent <laughs> all that time. So, um, I think it did me well, though. Like, you know, I think I got all the all the ridiculousness out of my system for the most part in yeah. college. And then uh, uh, I had some friends. I did the business fraternity and had some friends who worked at, oh, God, I thought, don't, don't do this. I ended up working at Enterprise Rent a Car for like oh, two man. years. They had so many programs. They want to get those college. Oh, kids they recruit right so hard, yeah. man. Predatory. It's, it's like the yeah. military recruits hard, and then right under them is Enterprise. Like Enterprise, fucking no Enterprise shit. It really is, yeah, yeah. And I did that for like two years. Quit, hated it. Ended up taking a restaurant job, and that's kind of how I fell into the whole thing. What were you doing at the restaurant? Uh, I was just being a server, man. Yeah. Um, I remember I had volunteered, like I'd studied marketing in in college, and I volunteered for the culinary festival. Oh, interesting. So okay. the, the 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 company that I worked for had did all the marketing for the culinary festival. What kind of restaurant was it, by the way? Um, it was just like a like a. It's called Pastiche. It's like um new at the time like New American. Oh, okay. okay. You know, um, was, was there like cocktail program at all? Wine program? Not really, but yeah. that. They actually they had a really extensive wine program, uh-huh. but it was mainly a domestic focused wine program. Like they gotcha. actually had a bottle, like a retail shop attached, oh, and things like that. Yeah. But I remember I had, I had spoken to the to the owner one time, and I think he was given a radio, actually a radio interview, and and they, somebody asked him what drink he likes, and he said something about a Manhattan. Yeah. And and he was a great guy, and I kind of admired him, so like I wanted to. I mean, Pat Connors, Tucson, if you're hearing this. This is for you, bud. I'll, f- oh, I'll, find, yeah. you, I'll find you, Pat. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, oh, Pat drinks Manhattans. So I'm going to start drinking Manhattans. And I kind of, and I would order Manhattans at the time. And my friends would always give me, because Tucson's a kind of relatively small town. Yeah. So they give me a hard time for ordering something that came in a fucking cocktail glass. Really? And I stuck with it just because I, just so I could say, fuck you, I'm going to drink this. Yeah. I'm incredibly stubborn. Be rebellious. Not for my mom. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of started drinking Manhattans and. From there, I started studying. Uh, I would get off from there. I would get off from the restaurant. And uh, I was living downtown at the time. I would get off from the restaurant, go home, change, and go around the corner of this tiny little cocktail bar called the Red Room, which is no longer open, mm-hmm. which was attached to a 24-hour diner called the Grill. It was like a Tucson institution. Oh, cool. It so was, that's bound to be still open, the Grill? The Grill? No. It all no. Actually, it all went down in a very suspicious fire Interesting. a couple years after I left town, I yeah. heard. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but it was a really great space. It was like a tiny, tiny little cocktail bar. It couldn't have been more than like, Jesus, maybe three hundred square feet. Wow, that's insane. It was so it, it, there was like four tables, I think, and then like four seats at the little cocktail bar. Yeah, and then up front they would somehow squeeze in like like a little musical act. Oh, nice. From time to time, so it was a really, really tiny good learning ground. Yo, it was great, man. I would go in there, I'd actually read, and then finally they 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 were opening, they were expanding their hours, and they just kind of got to know me, and they um. They asked me if I wanted to uh, to bartend. I said, "Yeah, sure, absolutely." So you just as a patron having that experience, like we know you serve, you know, we know you're in the industry. They just ask you to do. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I I had gotten um oh, what's what's Dale DeGroff's second book? The I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. It's like not the one with the arm on the cover, but it's like a a, a little bit newer one. But anyways, I, yeah. I I brought it in there one time, and I I was fucking trying to show off and like said i knew this it's, <laughs> oh i'd seen this one drink somewhere can you guys it's make like, re- like reading infinite jests yeah exactly. like, hey you guys read this book yeah, exactly. really good. 
exactly. I was like, hey, can you guys make this? And like, That's no. how coffee shop dating works in Austin, by the way. <laughs> like, oh, you're, re- you're reading Dubliners? Oh, well. oh my God. Yeah, you're so no cool. shit. Yeah. It really is. I've seen that actually happen at a couple of shops. Absolutely fucking yeah. happens. Um, but, but you yeah, got like, the gig and they, they asked yeah, you to bartend. Yeah, I ended up bartending. I ended up bartending there for about uh, a year, uh, almost a year. And then I, I moved and then uh, I moved out here to to austin i chased yeah what a, was I chased that? a girlfriend oh okay who uh actually she lived uh at anderson mill lane so around the corner no shit does he, it bring back bad memories being in the no, no not really no, it brings back bored memories <laughs> I come out here at, after my well, shift. so you met her out there i met her in tucson in yeah tucson, okay. yeah we was were all part of austin the same or just no, moved we were all part of the same social circle and she actually got a job promotion which brought her out here oh, okay. because she worked for apple Actually. oh shit yeah okay so we, i very seldom talk about this place and i won't talk about it but what was her name uh her name was uh holly stanley interesting yeah not familiar she, but no she did she was like a liaison i think between like app like she did something where people would call in with questions yeah like tech support for apps yeah yeah i yeah. think Pro apps. She, yeah she would kind of be like the liaison between no kidding the people who could answer the technical so questions. she got a good gig you're like, all right, let's do it. You come up into Austin. She what moved. Year? She moved. We had broken up. She moved. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, miss you, et cetera. She's like, okay. Forlorn. So, yeah, forlorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was heartbroken at the time and uh, and had moved. And so we ended up getting back together. Um, she was gracious enough to say that, that we'd get back together. And then I came out here. And um, what, year, what year did you come into Austin? Oh, I don't remember exactly. It must have... I started at Fino November 2011, so it must have been okay. around like August 2011. August, August 2011, right? yeah, okay. summer sometime, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you do that, and what did you have any sense of what you wanted to do when you were here? No, but I knew I had bartended, and I knew that Austin was like the scene to be, and I was, um, uh, I guess it, I guess I'd be like a little Bill Norris fanboy because I just like <laughs> he was the one guy that I had read about that I that, whose name I recognized. So yeah. I just kind of went to whatever place that I had seen him working at and started turning in resumes. And uh, I kept in contact with... Uh, We're both uh, Bill fanboys. By the yeah, way. okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Membership cards. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, we, uh, I, ended up, uh, a few, I ended up at Annie's Cafe down, down on Congress yeah, yeah, for yeah. a few months and then kept in contact with Brian Stubbs, who was a GM at Fino at mm-hmm. the time. And that's kind of how I fell into working at Fino. So what were you doing at Fino? Uh, I had been serving... I was trained by, uh, let's see, I the worst training shift I've ever had because this person was so checked out. And it was actually my uh, my fiance at the time, Rachel. No shit. Yeah, Ray, Rachel, Rachel. Was she working at Fino too? It was like her last day. No kidding. Or something. My first day was like her last day and Brian put me to. So you just, just touch and go. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, she trained me at Fino and I ended up being a server for uh, probably like three months. Yeah, and then I ended up jumping behind the bar with Josh. I think in January or no something kidding. like that. Um, yeah, because I'd always just kind of been talking to him. You know, um, we were we were very uh, we get along very well. So yeah, I would always just kind of shoot the shit with him whenever there wasn't a lot going on. And ended up jumping behind the bar with him. And then I don't remember the time frame, but I think he left not too long after that. Maybe three or four months after took I started working. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then I took over the bar program and was there until I moved to Houston in. April of 2014. So you were a bar manager, if you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I was a bar manager for like a year and a half, I think. Really? Yeah. Any any notable people kind of run through there? Because like, when I, I've done these interviews, I've interviewed Bill, mm-hmm. Na- Bill now, and uh, Stubbs will be in hopefully next week. Cool. And, and 
a Josh and all that. Mm-hmm. It seems like it was an amazing bullpen of talent. And yeah, I, kind of- I, I, I missed it all. <laughs> except for Josh, except for Josh, I was lucky enough to like work with Josh and kind yeah. of see how he builds drinks and like how he thinks about a drink program, which I think definitely left a, a bit of a mark on me for sure. Yeah. Um, but like I know that Houston had worked there for about fifteen minutes. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I yeah. think Adam Bryan might have. No kidding. I know uh, the Gentle Giant worked there. Mr. For a Dressel, while. Yes. yeah. Mr. Dressel worked there. Are you quoting me? Because I called uh, him the Gentle I, Giant. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is all I have to listen to when I'm driving around. <laughs> Driving around Texas, how Mike. boring it must be to, like, to see it in person. Like, God damn it, it's all the same monotonous shit. I know. I thought you're gonna have a green room and shit. No, for no. Me. Well, they, I mean, there's a green wall for those of you that can't see it. It's a nice green. I like this green. Um, no, yeah. Everybody had been through there. I was fortunate enough to know that everybody, like, we were do. People geek out. You know, some really do. Some pretend to yeah. geek out about sherry, though. But we, you know, like you people would always come in for it. happy hour. I think was a really good opportunity for me to really meet people like yeah. i know brian and and bill had come in several times and and uh just things like that and bartenders already come in in passing whether it was to to talk to to hang out with josh or or just to kind of check things out uh even after he had left so cool. i got to know everybody through fino but i had worked there after they had pretty much all moved on interesting yeah so you end up you finish fino what what drew drove you to houston because you pastry war was the gig you took right yeah, Pacer was the gig. Oh, I actually I worked at I worked at Midnight Cowboy for a. Brief, oh, did you really? Yeah, was Rachel there stint. then too? No, she had she had actually She'd, moved on. I, th- I don't to know. Key maybe maybe to Key. I think yeah to to Key or she might have been working for Virtuoso at the time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah she, she worked, worked with for Virtuoso for a little while. Um, but that's where I actually got to work with Brian. Uh, a bit. The gentle giant. Yeah, the gentle giant. <laughs> I will visit fucking Georgia to go talk to him. Oh, fuck yeah. Hugely influential guy for me specifically too. Oh, yeah. So, like, such a good Such dude. a nice guy. And then uh, I worked with Javier a little bit too. And that's where I actually got to work with some of the other bartenders that yeah. uh, I think still up here in, here in Austin. Probably a lot um, of the guys. But yeah. then, there was something. How do you feel about Midnight Cowboy? I talk about it as it, it was some kind of zeitgeist, the, the scene at the time, that it is some kind of creative mayhem but beautiful utopia. It's there. Yeah. What What does everybody call it? The stop for wayward bartenders. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what it always has felt like. Is like there's always some group of of people hanging out there who are very good at what they do and very intelligent and yeah. make, and you know know a shitload whether it be about cocktails or or just worldly people. So I think it's always a good a good stopping point for a little bit. And I was I was there just to kind of make some extra money because I was headed out to. Um, I was going to Spain, I think, so I was just there for like some extra spending. Cash. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah. Spain and I, for like a temporary thing, uh, long term. I was no, I was just going to to learn about wine for a little gotcha. bit. Gotcha. Because you um, mentioned something about buying a flat there. It was really cheap. Oh well, now that that's big. now that's the dream. That's the future Vago Europe. Oh yeah, Vago Europe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> headquarters. Yeah, in yeah Spain. the beachside house in Galicia. So um, I'm pretty sure Judah will be like, "Well, you you just live in California, Francisco, and I'll I'll go to Spain. Yeah, <laughs> go surf he's on he's gonna rip that <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Apparently he's apparently he saw me post that and he sent me something back. So this is the one I've been looking at for a year. So no he's already shit. Got it on, yeah. So he already he's already he's already it. got unlocked. Go man. figure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was at Midnight Cowboy for a little while, which was awesome. Like I loved it. It was a lot of you know. It was a lot of fun. The only thing that I you know I missed was was in engaging with people across across a bar. A different dynamic, for yeah, sure. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's yeah. It, in in a sense, like there is a little, and I love Midnight Cowboy, but uh-huh. there is just a little bit too much privacy, <laughs> right? Because I get my I get my little booth, great. Yep. 
But sometimes I want to chit chat when I haven't been drinking, when I'm not three rounds in. I just like talking to you guys. Yeah. You know? And th- there's something that's a little bit different about the dynamic there. So I totally and same get same thing what you for see. being a bartender. Yeah. You know, I love Javier, but, you know, it's, I get tired of looking at him for 20 minutes. <laughs> I kind of want to step out and go talk to a it's guest. It's like, all right, I get it. You have a mustache, an amazing mustache. Yeah. <laughs> what, do, what do you want me to do about it, Javier? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but, you know, it's a very, it's a very unique, interesting dynamic. And, and it was a lot of fun. I definitely learned a shitload uh, while while I was there. Yeah. Um, and then, so I finished that up and finished Fino right about the same time, I think. Or no, I was done for about six months at Cowboy before I before I left Fino. But um, just getting to know Bobby through uh, social, Bobby Hugel in Houston. Yeah, how is that? I haven't met Bobby. We've had exchanges, as mm-hmm. many do. But, yeah. But I guess he, do you view him as the icon that a lot of people do? Like, whether it's in the Mezcal world, whether it's the running the bar world. Um not necessarily because and i think that is because over the process of the couple years that i've been in houston i've gotten to know and that's one of the things actually i'm glad that i don't work at payshore anymore is because i've i i I value my friendship with him a little bit more like i've gotten to become really 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 good friends with him yeah so for me he seems like a much more just real normal person than this personality that everybody seems to Seems to know him as as the the kind of outspoken iconoclast in the industry. So oh you, yeah, you get exactly. the behind the scenes stuff. You know? like the, the guy. and like I get where that comes from. Yeah, you know, but that's surprisingly like with most people, I think to a certain extent, that is what's driving them. But yeah. I don't. I think with him, it just seems to be much more of of just genuinely sticking to what he feels is the right thing to do. Yeah, and, and if it causes some uproar, I think that's just kind of. You know, just part of the, just part of it. Yeah, just part of it for him, for sure. Um, so you guys sort of kind of develop. Did you reach out? Did I, you reach out first? Or did I reached reach out? out. I think I reached out to him one day because I was asking him what agave books to read. Yeah, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we started kind of chit chatting, and we started a message like a a, a, a Facebook, you know, um, yeah, thread Facebook or whatever. Thread, right, thank you. right, right. Yeah, about uh, which you know which which books and which articles to read. And yeah, then, the nerdiness running through yep. to your adulthood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, yep. not, I'm not exempt from that either. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and like, oh yeah, like which academic books should I read, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And uh, yeah, and then uh, we had he had mentioned I'd seen him post something he was looking for a bartender, uh, and I I just let him know like immediately. I think I was like the first person to respond saying that I was interested, and then. He got really busy, and I went to Spain, so it wasn't probably another three months before we talked. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, it had developed. The situation had changed to such that um, he was looking for a general manager oh. at the pastry war. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of through our... So I had been down there for a night, I think, just to hang out when he was first looking for a bartender right, to kind of right. meet everybody and hang out and see the, see the operation. And then, yeah, a few months later, I think we were talking, and he ended up needing a general manager and... And uh, I kind of felt like there were, I'd done everything I could really do at Fino. So, uh, you so know. that was the, you transitioned into that role then. Yeah, basically. pretty yeah, straight away. It's amazing. Yeah, is it, is it really? And I uh, regret of regretfully, I haven't been to Peshawar. I've been to Anvil and some of the other spots in Houston. Yeah, but I got to go back and definitely talk to Bobby and Alba mm-hmm. and stuff. But what makes the pastry war special? Because I I just look at the menu and I get that it's special. Right, the menu is educational. The menu itself is very educational. Um, but honestly, being... A, and that's one of the things that really blew my mind because it was not at all what I had anticipated. It leans itself much more to being a place that is about people having a good time. Yeah. Which 
true to form. Like I think that's what ultimately what every concept that that group has opened yeah. has really at its heart been about. Whether been about it's, the people. Whether it's for, whether it's under the guise of music like Nightingale Room right, or, right. or culture at Julep, you know, or, you know, cocktails and Amber, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, the bar just became more about a space of, of people having a good time. I mean, and granted, a lot of that comes from the fact that it was like 85% of, of our of our business was done between 10 and 2 on Friday and Saturday. Oh, no kidding. You know, okay. like just being downtown and yeah. being associated with a group, it automatically draws a crowd. Sure. Um, but it was just, it was such a dichotomy. It was two completely different animals during the week where it was very much a scholarly place. Like you would come in, every you know, 60% of people would get like a flight or something yeah. or just try a few mezcals. And then on Friday and Saturday, you know, you'd be doing, you know, Transactional. eight, nine grand, you know, crazy on a, on a friday saturday night between 10 and 2 is that but, a hard is that a hard contrast to keep up because you are it is, teaching man. and then you're functioning right? and that's something that we have always always worked on that's something we try to explain to people really really you know expressly when we were in interviewing them was that you have to be able to play you have to be able to be content when it's slower talking yeah. to people engaging people and you have to also thrive and be incredibly hospitable with people when you know you're doing you know x amount of drinks on a friday or right. saturday you got to be um, good at two languages. Yeah, absolutely, man. And just you have to be two different people during, you know, in the course of one week, which can be really difficult and really trying. But I think the, the group that we had was really, really good at it. Um, you know, it's still really hard when it's super slow, like on a rainy weekday for people to really, really be enthusiastic and, yeah. and have a lot of fun. But, um, you know, the staff came so far from when we first hired them and just being able to explain to people what they were drinking and engaging people. It was really great to see the bartenders learn and mm-hmm. be able to share that. And then it was incredibly gratifying to see people come in and and um, and really engage the bartenders and listen to what they were saying and really just really hopefully fall in love with with the, with the category a little bit you know yeah. even a fraction. You of, make it of easy. The level that we I mean, the captain's had. list that menu is just brilliant. Yeah, the way you know, it's organized. And, I mean, I even learned a lot. And the staff, you know, they got really great at like, okay, somebody picks something off the list and then well, here try this next, which I think is the yeah. maybe even more important because sure, everybody's going to try at least one, right? That's yeah. what you're in for. But to be able to then take somebody and be like, well, why don't you try this next and then try this and get them to keep going down that hole, I think I yeah. think takes a certain skill. Well, no, that's, um, you know, there was this, man, and I'll go back to my best, I worked at Best Buy for a long time. And there was this, this term they used. And they used it in the capacity of being able to upsell on stuff. When, mm-hmm. and, and it's not that, right? Because you're really trying to share this passion of Mexico. Yeah, exactly. Passion of agave at, at Pastry War. Yep. But there's this term called smart friend. And that is fucking what it is, right? Like, so you order this thing and you're mm-hmm. like, you know what? I know about this stuff. I'd love to share it, and I'd love to suggest the next drink for you. And that's a brilliant way to approach spirits because you guys aren't making. You, I mean, you do make cocktails there, but for the most part, you can taste. You've got so many wonderful spirits just to taste on their own, you know. Oh yeah, and that's that's the difference, really. Yeah, it, it's like a library. But even all, like even and, and if people didn't want to do the mezcal thing, they just want to do the cocktails. Yeah. That's totally cool. Yeah. You know, but we tried to have a real cultural root in even the drinks themselves. You know, mm-hmm. like I, it's like well, one drink that I remember is like one of my favorite. It was a Mai Tai riff. And instead of regular orgette, we had been using Pepita, like oh, pumpkin no. seed orgette. Yeah. And wow. I'd seen other people like experimenting. It was, I'd seen other people experimenting with, with, with different orgettes. So, but I hadn't really wanted to do it. I got this really great Yucatan cookbook. Uh-huh. And they talk about how in the Yucatan, they actually make a marzipan, but they use pumpkin seeds. No shit. Yeah. And it's like, like that's, that's brilliant. But then it gives us like a little vehicle. And that was, that, that was why that job, I think, if you if you bartend if you bartend at the Peshawar and like are trying to come at it from a, from a creative perspective on, on the drinks, it's one of the most challenging jobs because 
you have to be able to link that to something culinarily relevant right. in 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 the culture of something of uh, not referential. Is not the word I'm looking for, but something classic that that's mm-hmm. rooted in the culture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that's the that's a brilliant thing that man. Uh, there's a, there's a actually I won't even talk about Microsoft because it's it's <laughs> a little bit of a of a wormhole. But there is paying reference and paying homage to classic elements of design. Yeah, and classic elements of flavor. And in this case, a particular geographic area of which there are classic flavors that are there. And so for some reason, if you were to go and take Japanese flavors and use those for cocktails and making syrups and things for agave, it's yeah. disparate. And so having to keep the same tone and keep in character in the right way culinarily, mm-hmm. culinarily yeah. like you're saying, that's like that's what re- makes a film good. That's what makes a bar good. Yeah. You're having a constant vision. And that, I think it's really shrewd the way you guys are able to execute that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very very gratifying. And the, the the staff like did such a good job with their drinks. I was constantly blown away at a their ability to take these really obscure ingredients and make it something that was not only palatable yeah, but fucking but sir? fucking good. Like yeah. every drink that we put on that menu, some were better than others. Like they're all not going to be a hundred percent. Sure, you, know? you can't. But they they were, all can't be the best. Right, it's just not how it goes. Exactly, but they were all fucking good. Yeah, you know, and they. The, the menu that they have continued to put out has always, always uh, really impressed me a lot, especially because it takes such a lot of work on the creative end to to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, but so that was that was one of the great things about about the bar. But then just to be like to be there on a Friday or a Saturday night uh, at midnight and have the bar be three deep, but yeah. then you still get that one person who, in the middle of all this fucking madness, still wants you to be, you know, is still like, hey, I had this mezcal. Can you pour me and my friends like three different mezcals? Right. You know, when they're surrounded by people and still want to engage in the spirit like that in the in the, in the category is is it's the threat so awesome. of that place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then but then you can look in the back and there's people playing pool and dancing at the same time. It was a really, really it's cool place to work. It's very cool. Yeah. Very and I mean, vibrant, it's a huge, like. huge build. You know, it's a huge, huge space. Yeah. So it got incredibly loud, uh, but everybody just seemed to be there to, to have a really good time. And that's what was you know, it was it was during the week. It seemed to be such an educational bar, and then during the weekend, it was just for a place for that people really had an ability to just kind of let loose and, and enjoy themselves. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's probably what sustained a lot of the success for it as well. I think Having so. Yeah, kind of di- yeah. Just the the different the erudite aspect, but also just the convivial. Aspect. Yeah, I'm absolutely. just I'm using these are words of the day. So for, for, hey, cool. For, for, <laughs> no convivial is not. <laughs> but so so. Let's let's take a moment then to describe the bottle. Obviously, when when you come over, being mm-hmm. and we'll talk about Vago here, which is a really exciting project for you and for me to hear about it as well. Love, love Judah and the team over there. But we picked it, or rather, you let's say we picked a bottle of, of Delmagay. And this is is it San Pedro Tavish? San Pedro Tavish, Tavish, yeah. Tavish, right? Mm-hmm. And it is a blend of Tepestate, unpropagated Espadine, and then Tobala, mm-hmm. right? And this yes. is forty nine percent. Twice distilled in copper. It says slowly distilled in copper, which is great. And this is a very difficult bottle to get, but one that you do in fact have at the pastry war. Yeah, the only place I've seen it on the menu. Yeah, it was one of the it was one of the few bars in the country that that was fortunate enough to uh, to have some sent their way. Yeah, so that was one of the definitely one of the one of the gems on the shelf for us. I got a little splash on my hand and rubbed it. You know, Mm -hmm. just kind of spread the oils, and I smelled it, and it was immersed in this like deep clay and deep mud. It's it's a brilliant bottle is there how do you feel about delmagay in general that model um i mean that is that is the prototype right like that yeah. is that that set the standard a for the quality of mezcal that you were getting absolutely how to do it how to do it very sustainably and responsibly um and those guys have been really really incredible at at 
they've grown so much and i guess yeah they just had their 20th anniversary yeah right it's crazy but they still maintain the respect of everybody in the industry and i think that's been really incredible i think it takes a lot of work for them um it can't be really easy to kind of to maintain those relationships and still be kind of seen as an icon in in the industry it's hard because you run the risk always if you get too big your core fans will reject you. Right. Right. You know, it exactly. happened to Green Day. It happened to like many, many bands, right? Like <laughs> once you hit a certain point, like people are going to start being, well, fuck you. You're not true to the cause anymore. But to your point, I think it's been incredibly true to the cause the whole yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. And you hear, you know, like if you ever hear people, you realize that they don't really quite understand what it is that they're that they're talking about with yeah. really anything, really. But, yeah. You know, but yeah. So, but I mean, like knowing the people who have been so involved with the brand, not only like Ron, and but also like Misty and, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzgerald and things like that, like, they're all so a just salt of the earth people, yeah. but then b so passionate about the people that they've met along the way. It's it's, it's you can't help but <clears throat> catch it, catch yeah. that enthusiasm. You know? Exactly, and that's one of the reasons I love that brand so much is because you meet people like Misty and Ryan that are that are so connected to the places that they've been and the people yeah. that that they feel like they've represented. That that was kind of that's definitely like kind of an inspiration that I want to follow. Yeah, is to make sure that I I you know like having met Aquilino and having met Tio Rey, um and spent you know a week and a half with each with each one of them um it's so important to really to maintain my commitment not for i mean honestly it i don't know if my commitment to the brand is bigger or just having met them and really like make sure that i represent yeah. them well as so, well, an extension of, of their of them right is, is incredibly important well so before we talk about aquilina who's yeah. my favorite action store <laughs> ever <laughs> totally is what do you how do you feel about this particular blend, the Tobolat type of stuff. This bottling is one of my, as honestly one of my one of my favorite mezcals that that yeah. uh, that I had at the back bar at at at, uh, at Peshawar. What elements do you like about in this? Particular uh, well, it's, it's I mean, stuff, it's rare that I it's rare that I go all in on something like this, but Tepestate mm-hmm. without a doubt is one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite mm. particular uh, varietal. Um, Everybody, you know, it's got Tobola in there, and everybody, everybody loses their shit about Tobola. Understandably, you know, but honestly, for me, uh, my I I I veer towards the flavors that that tend to be in like a Tepestate. I, I totally agree. You yeah. know, um, I, I feel like Tobola, Zelton John, okay, mm-hmm. Tepestate, Billy Joel. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 See, Absolutely. that's the thing. Like Elton John, kind of lighter, you know, yeah, not as deep, not as like sorted at times, and and uh, self-deprecating. Billy Joel. Fucking everything, dude. All the grit, all the seasons, all the emotion. Yep. You heard it here. So folks. well put. That is the perfect analogy. It's not rare I that I get one, but absolutely. I love it. I fucking love it. Yeah, man. You know? And it's like there's so much to think about there. And, you know, Tobala, it's beautiful and it's well done. And it's just always crafted really well. For the most part, crafted really well. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I love Delma Gaze, for example. But it just seems to be the same kind of right. ballpark every time. Sure, whereas Tepestate... Sure. There's just so much there to, to think about. There I feel is. like it challenges you and it's uncomfortable at times. I've you know drinking it. Yeah, depending but, but on it what ultimately is beautiful. You know, there's a, just a, a fight back and forth with oh, the yeah. flavors. You know, but it is a wonderful bottling. I'm, I'm really glad to be able to share this with fucking about anybody. The, uh, the mezcal maestro. Like right? I was so like that's awesome that you have that man. That's, I'm so, I'm stoked I was able to, to find a bottle of it. That's kick ass. Um, that was definitely not what I was expecting <laughs> to pull off the shelf this evening. Well, f- f- all right, all right. Here we go. We're doing, we're doing good. So, when did you? How did you get introduced to to Judah and the like before taking the gig at Vagabond? I actually met Judah at Fino, man. Did you? I no think it was shit. his first market trip. Was it the thing he did at the draft house with Bill? That's when I first met him. He did a drink tank. I think I, he was there for it, if I recall. Yeah, but he had just stepped into Fino with 
John. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Because Texas was their first market. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then John, um, uh, I think John, yeah, John was on here not absolutely. Long John Garrett, right? everybody. Yeah, John. yeah. Wonderful yeah. interview with the dude. Yeah. Um, I think Great he kind of, he helped you to like, you know, get in contact with people in different, in various markets. Yeah. So he's been, he's really, he was really a, a huge part of our expansion. Um, and that's why we love that guy so much. And we, and we owe him a lot. Me personally, also, like having gone from my different stops. Um, this is probably the only nice thing I'll ever say about John Garrett, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's, he's been great in helping me like, you know, like get in front of people like Judah and, yeah. and kind of keeping the conversation going for us and things like that. So John uh, has been the great facilitator. Yeah. Yes, you know? exactly. He really yep, is. Like absolutely. I wouldn't have met Judah without John, without Bill. I wouldn't have met David Soro. Wouldn't have met Jake, Jake Lustig. Any yeah, of these guys, wouldn't right? have met David Soro who I talk to now. I talk to on like a weekly yeah, exactly. basis, you and know, hope, hopefully he'll be in town next month. Yeah, so I'll have him on. Oh, that'd be, be great. Which be killer and that's awesome. Seems like such a wonderful dude. But John is at the center of this stuff, and that, everybody. Yeah, it's, it's so incredible. Strange, man. But he's just there, like in the side on the sidelines, just yep. doing it. You know. But you got you hit it off with Judah. I guess, yeah, hit it off with Judah. Judah was uh, actually likes likes Sherry quite a bit, so he came in yeah. and just drank a shitload of Sherry, and then uh, got to know him really well, having worked at uh, at Peshawar. Yeah, and then uh, you guys I, had that special bottling. Yeah, it was incredible, man. Was you it? know, it's it's not on Barra, but on it's on... Cobre Barro, so it's distilled in clay by Acalino. Yeah, but then it was it was aged in the uh, in the black canteras for uh, in the clay clay the ones vessels. that he found, right? Like yeah, Acalino's Acalino's grandfather. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah Acalino's grandfather. That had not been used for on Cantara. Uh, is that what the word is? Cantara. Yep, Cantara. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's these large clay vessels, that, yeah. the black Oaxacan clay, um, and uh, they re- they kind of like refurbished them, cleaned them out, uh, seasoned them with water because obviously yeah. it's porous, right? So you don't want to take on too much liquid, right? Right. Right. So they soaked them in. Oh, uh, they soaked them with water for like a week, mm-hmm. and then they put and then they filled them with mezcal and kept them for thirty-one days, and that was a blend of uh, cuiche. Yeah. Uh, Espadine and Tepestate, I believe. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, the only few. I mean, think about that. Who gets their own fucking bottle? It was yeah. That was that was unreal. 101 liters, and I think it's done now. It was yeah. 100, 101 liter bottling, and I'm pretty sure Pe- not too long after I left, Peshawar poured their last. Killed event. it. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. People loved it too, man. It was incredible. Oh, it was a beautiful mezcal. I've got one that, awesome. he, that he gave me in on Cantara. Uh, and I can't remember what it's like. It might be a Tepestate or a Tobola blend, but it, it's something about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it something right. about that clay. It's just insanely beautiful. You know, I don't know what it does. Again, going back to our original kind of point, like, I don't know what happens, but there's some magic that happens. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to question that. There, not, there's some I'm things that I'm okay yeah. not asking why. Yeah. About, I'm not having you know? faith in it. I'm just blind faith. It just mm-hmm. it's going to taste good, you know, after time. But exactly. so when did the opportunity, because I know Houston was down there for a while. And he yeah, transitioned Houston was to, there for six months. And then I actually went back in uh, almost a year ago now. I went, I think it was in March mm-hmm. that I went and, and hung out with Bobby. Uh, Bobby had me go down there for a few days. To Oaxaca. To Oaxaca. Yeah, to yeah. Oaxaca City. Uh, hang out with Judah, hang out with Houston for a few days. Uh, just kind of learn about the process and, and mm. see these places. Because that was one of the most remarkable things about Peshawar. Is that, like, I think <clears throat> 90% of the labels that are on the back bar, excuse me, Ninety percent of the of the labels that are on the back bar, uh, somebody whether it's Alba, myself, uh, one of the other uh, staff members, mm. uh, Bobby has been to the distillery or the Palenque, yeah, you know, amazing. whichever one it is. So we there's a real connection between that bar and just about every bottle that's on the on the back bar. But uh, so he sent me down there, and that was when I first really got to spend some time with Judah 
That was the first time I met Akalino. Um, or were Tio you enamored Ray. with him too? Because I met the dude. And I'm like, you're like a living superstar. Yeah, I, I don't know I, why, but he just is. I have a ca- pulse. Yes, Charismatic. I was enamored with Akalino. Char- it's impossible not him. to be. Right? Yeah, it's impossible not. God, to be. it's insane. Both of them. Both of them. Yeah. Like Theo Ray as well. Did you, did you go to I didn't Sola? Actually get to meet him. Theo no. Ray is like completely not completely the opposite, but it's a completely different character. He's yeah. very very soft spoken. He he almost murmurs when he speaks. No kidding. He kind of always looks off to the side as he's speaking because. It just seems like he's almost like a diminutive, like a, like a mystic almost in the way really? that he talks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's something really, really like just listening to him talk. It's it's beautiful. Both of them are just very, very correct. They're char- just charismatic they're, they're charismatic. Yeah, yeah, and it, it comes through. I mean, I you know I don't want to beat that point too much, but Vago Mescal is m- magical in that sense, and that those personalities shine through. Especially once you've actually made the connection and met them, yeah. you definitely see. Because A, like even if you hadn't, right? Like right. they're both two very different styles. Yeah, absolutely. You know, oh, Aquilino's, dude, totally different. Uh, and within those styles, they both have very different, you know, from plant from bottling to bottling, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's very identifiable if you put two in front of you. You can you tell, it, you yeah. You know, like this is one person's, somebody else did this one. Right. Right. And then once you actually meet them, that really, really comes through in the bottling. Whereas... Yeah. Uh, Akalinos for me tend to be a little bit brighter. Um, absolutely, you know, more I'll, pop. Yeah, That's more right. pop. Yeah, absolutely. And then Theores tend to be a little bit, a little bit more brooding, a little yeah. bit kind of more savory. Analog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very That's much how, so. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Yep. That not that they're less refined, but they're they're more garagey. You know what I mean? I yep. always, I always go back to music because it's the only thing I understand, basically. No, absolutely. Yeah, like, but that's what happens when you're working with clay and copper, though, too. Anyway, yeah, you know, it's I would say so. It's chemically, it's you know, but uh, but then like you go there and and you think of like the Reyes mezcals as being as being a little bit like garage, more garage, yeah, yeah, right. But he is one of the most fastidiously clean people in I the bet. way that they produce their mezcal that I've mm. ever ever like. You're not even allowed to like. I was there for a week, a little over a week. You're not allowed to touch any agave that has not been distilled. Wow! Like unless you've washed your hands. So that, like obviously like, there's certain yeah. mezcal that doesn't pass that doesn't pass uh, inspection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like whether the acids are too high or something. Sure. So what he'll actually do is he'll keep that, and then he'll also use it. As, he'll keep it in bottles just to use as a cleaning solution. As a cleaner, yeah. Yeah, so that you're always cleaning your hands. Doesn't matter if you just wash them, especially if you just wash them. You don't want to get perfumey aromas or anything. Right. Nothing. So if you're touching this- anything that hasn't been distilled yet, fermenting whatever, you have to wash your hands uh-huh. all the time. And he's just like really, really fastidious about like keeping everything covered. He doesn't do, he does native fermentation, right? Like mm-hmm. ambient yeast. Yes, yes. But it's covered the entire time. No kidding. With, yeah. What's yeah. he cover with? Uh, he does, uh, he's got just um, some like thick, thick plastic, plastic covers okay. with, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um, but he's, yeah. So he's very, very diligent about the way that he does things. And for example, like after you leave, uh, like after you take them out of roast, mm-hmm. you leave them to cool, right? And some yep. people will leave them, will leave them out on the order of weeks Ugh. while they start to like, like mold they, they and fungus, funk. right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, most producers will leave that on. Um, but he says, and, and and I I haven't we haven't submitted samples to test to really see the difference. Mm-hmm. But it's it's kind of a general consensus that I've heard that that will give you acids in your mezcal. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, so he actually cuts it all out. Like he doesn't include any. He will cut that part of the pina. Amazing, up and that's why it's so. So there's something that happens, you know. And, and this is my opinion, and from some experience of having distilled agave mm-hmm. and doing the ferment, you know, up here in Austin. But yeah. So if you leave it out, there is this, and it's a very prominent, ubiquitous smell in Oaxaca. That cheesy, yep. kind of acidic. Spent, yep. Right, and so yeah. that happens 
for a lot of things after like you're saying 48 hours and you start getting that smell and i almost feel like it's lactic acid or something i can't i can't that's prove what, what it I, is yeah that's what that would be my assumption but that's what as it smells well. like yeah yeah and you never get that cheesiness in tears nope mezcal ever and but you, you you find it the papalome the delmage that's in that the oh. tepextate there's that cheesy funk they're out of kenya as well like yes find absolutely that. totally yeah. totally and that's what that in my experience and, and maybe and not that it's a bad thing because no, like most sure. most of that i see is that i've had and like oh, bacanoras from up north they have oh. that same like acidic, acidic quality and i love both all of those For i sure. love that it's acidic totally quality different. but but there's something refined and just slightly less rugged about TRA and now knowing that he does that and doesn't let the acid take over and doesn't let that fungus or mold mm-hmm. take over makes perfect sense. Now. And you know what's so incredible about the guy is like he that's he's so humble. He doesn't say that it's the right way. Right. He just says that it's the way that he does his it. way. Yeah. But exactly. that's brilliant. Yeah. It's I so, love that. Because so that's much, his vision. It's his artistic vision. Mm-hmm. You know? That's just the way yeah, that's just the way that he's learned it and that's the way he wants it to be. And that's just but then he'll, you know, he'll like his brother makes mezcal, and he's like, I don't know if my brother does this, or I don't know if the people, you know, up the road and and, and, right. and solo do it. But you know, he's like, he, he every single time I'd ask him why he did every anything, he follows it up with. But everybody does it their own way. Yeah, you know, it's just such a humble. That's person. so great. It's remarkable. It's absolutely because there is no right. There is no right way because right. it's just it's colloquialisms and the flavor. Oh my god! If it's yeah, totally is, yeah, know? down to the language. You yeah, know? yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Tepecstate, tepestate. Mm-hmm. Can't even. I mean, fuck, man. I don't even know Spanish, but I can see the huge differences. Even when you do, it doesn't matter if you do. It's yeah. like there's so many indigenous languages. Just just in Oaxaca, it's ridiculous. It's insane. So when did you officially start with Vaga then? Uh, I went down. So I stopped uh, Pesha War in the middle of September. I had a couple weeks off, and then I went down on October fifth of fifteen of two thousand fifteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, this this past October, I flew down on October fifth, and I came back on November eleventh or the fourteenth or something like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. And thus it was born. Yeah, thus it was born, man. I spent well six weeks down there. I spent a couple weeks in the hills and then a couple weeks down in the city, and uh, it was it was incredible. I spent a week with Akalino. Um, <clears throat> my main focus, <clears throat> my main focus while I was there was helping out with any, with everything up to distillation. Sure. So you we, let him do yeah, it, right? Yeah. Well, actually, it wasn't even him as much. It was his. It was his. It was his son who was keeping an eye gotcha. on stills while I was there. And he was uh, he was doing everything. We were cleaning, we were fermenting, we built a roast, um, we built, we cleaned like three tons of quiche, wow, which was inc- incredible. Yeah, one of the most kind of tedious things I've done. Like it's incredible. Like yeah. you know, they harvest it and then you you shear, you chip, you chip away at bark for. We think it took us two days to do. It's three so tons. stocky, right? Because you just use the. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> and quiche tends to be one of the stocky, like more stock. You know, because there's so many, there's so many different sub varieties of the Karwinski family. Right, whether it's right. Barril, Madre Quiche, um, Baikuiche. Yeah, but yeah, Baikuiche. Um, but Quiche tends to be one of the ones that has more stock to Pina kind of ratio. If you think, yeah, yeah. Like a Barril tends to be a little bit squatter, fatter, larger uh-huh. Pina, Madre Quiche, um, the same thing. But Tepestata has more has the has more has, seems to have more stock compared to the Pina. So you're just chipping away at this bark for. Two, two, two and a half days. Wow. Yeah, it was it was really, really intense. It was a lot of, like, I think I woke up the second night <laughs> at, like, 3.30 in the morning, and I just couldn't go back to sleep because my arm was just completely inflamed oh, from just, just like, the, chipping just away. Just yeah. yeah, it was brutal. But um, that's, that, you'll never forget that. No one can take that away from you. Yeah, and, like, I yeah. knew, like, talking to people, and that was one of the, like, if, if anybody ever wants, to, then that's, please let us know. We'll be happy to, to, 
to take you up and, and hang out for a few days. If you really, really want to get a grip for like what really goes into this process, I'd always talk to people about cliche before and tell, tell them how, how it can be kind of time intense. But mm. having been there and done it for two days was just remarkable. So now you totally to me. get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 I don't. I don't totally get it. Because or you partially, you've had a view into it. I feel closer to it now. Yeah. I feel closer to it, but I think I, I came back with more questions than I had than, than I went down with, for yeah. sure. But that's a good, I mean, that's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely good. Yeah. So you've got, man, I, I've been following, I love the Vago stuff, and I've had, had a wonderful time. And actually, I'm going to boast about this, but had an opportunity to proof some of the Tepestate that came out, which oh. would with judah when i was out there and that was an amazing thing because like we i know how to proof obviously operating distillery and stuff so seeing how they do it and being there with the guy from comercon or, or what's the organization yeah yeah yep. yeah and so it, it was an amazing insight into the the process and i didn't even fucking shave the espadine or like any of that but it's it's an amazing operation going on yeah. down there and i think it's so cool that it's just a dude you know because ju- ju- no matter how awesome and smart he is he's a dude he's a normal dude He's yeah. a surfer, man. He hasn't been doing this for, you know, he hasn't yeah. been doing this for forever, you know, just as, since he met Valentina. But he gets it, you know, you know? and he's got good tastes, which is in, is totally, that's the key. Thinking, not thinking about mezcal with your balls, but thinking about with your heart. Yeah. You know? And I think, thing. and that's one of the reasons that I, that's one of the reasons that I love this particular brand so much um, is because it, 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 it matters to him because it really literally is his family yeah you know like there's a couple of viewers like it's a little bit more of a direct chain between when we're talking to people at the bar and Aquilino in Yegale right you know and 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 really learning that and meeting Aquilino's son and and both of his sons and and having spent time in 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 Valentina Judah's wife's you know home and 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 met their daughter and and everything It, it it I can't I, there's no other like there's literally no other brand that I'd rather be working for. I think it's yeah. the only job opportunity I would have possibly left being at Payshore for mm-hmm. was to work for for this for this for this model and this system and this and this group. And that's just like you know it's a different model than everybody else, and that's not necessarily that it's better. But for just me, it just yeah. you know it's different. But for me, it just makes me feel so much more connected. And and I it's amazing. And all those products take you there, and they take you to the people. And I think that's the the trans. Transportative yeah. quality to Mescal, and I've mentioned that before, and I will fucking die by that because it is yeah. absolutely transportative. But there, oh, absolutely, it, it totally is. And but I, I, you know, I had one question. So I followed kind of all the stuff you guys did. You're doing the Tepestate, which is uh-huh. newer. There's another, I think, another Quiche coming out that I think Judah had in San Antonio. But but there seemingly is there another Palenque that you guys are adding into the collection i don't know if judas talked about it yet but the labels are out there for it yeah he's he's posted some pictures okay. we are adding a producer uh uh amigdio harkin yeah. who's another just incredibly noble soul like meeting him he's such a nice guy and again so soft-spoken it's like none of our none of our mescaleros seem to be very boisterous or very loud for some reason they're all just very quiet <laughs> the si- like dude man. they're the silent strong yeah type, yeah. yeah they're really really like wonderful people to be around but i had i was fortunate enough to meet him and go to his palenque a couple times so he's in mia watlan mm-hmm. which is on the road out to uh sol de vega okay um or excuse me out to uh Ye- candelaria Yegole. it's more it's kind of more towards so if you're looking at oaxaca like you know like bird's eye view right oaxaca mm-hmm. city Candelaria Yegole is to the southeast, and Sol de Vega is to the southwest. Gotcha. And then Mia okay. Huatlan uh, de Porfirio Diaz kind of falls right in the middle. Okay. So it's kind of directly south of Oaxaca City. Mm-hmm. But generations back, uh, 
both Tio Rey and Aquilino's families actually lived in Miawatlan, which is oh, one no of the kidding. reasons that we're so excited to bring on a producer from Miawatlan. That it's kind of like closing that circle and, and and going going one chapter back into the history of, of the families yeah. that, that that are part of our brand. When are those hidden? The states? Um, we're not really sure yet. When I was there, we had brought to proof a his first batch of espadine. Espadine that was going to hit. Um, is he clay or copper guy? He is. A, he actually. <clears throat> he actually does a. a uh, it's all copper. Uh-huh. Uh But the method is a little bit different. Um, which was completely new to me. It's called a refrescador, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm actually kind of in the middle of writing something about it for the for the website. Um. But it's basically like a refresher system. So you have you have your boiler in the bottom right, right. of the uh-huh. still, and then there's a there's a second chamber up on top. Uh huh. And that's all copper. But it's enclosed in a stainless steel cylinder that gets filled with water. So it's it condenses once on the it condenses once in the still. Okay. Okay. Oh, because of this stainless, there's some something runs between the stainless and the copper. Is it copper it, inside it's, or it's the stainless? Still, there's copper inside. Inside and stainless surrounded out. by water. Okay. Which is held in a stainless right. steel. Got cylinder. it. So it's almost like a condenser. It yeah. ultimately is. Yeah. yeah. It ultimately is, and that's how that's how he distills. Interesting. Yeah. And it, um, twice this distilled? Uh, no, it actually comes out off the still because of the extra condensation. Yeah. It comes out at like... Bottle 50, proof? Yeah, it comes out of bottle proof. No kidding. Yeah. And so that's different because the the clay is double that, yep. that Tio does and Aquilino is double in copper. So there there is a Recia, the uh, Tigre de Jalisco, the, the Which is that the Is that the orange or the red the label? Orange. The orange, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is a single distillation. Yes. And it brings up all the way to... Which I had never really understood. And I haven't seen those palenques that are operate or yeah. binatas or whatever, you know, but I, I, I couldn't I believe have it. I was to like, geez, there must that's... be so much surface area and so much condensation or, or rather recondensation. That yeah. And maybe that is how they do it, but that's, that is one way that I've seen to get bottle proof from wow. a single distillation. And it's cool because you're going to get more funk just inherently. Mm-hmm you're not refining it as much yeah and that actually like we brought down that batch of espadine to proof and for me that was such like i don't know how if judah went through does he explain like the, the proof like how we how we uh-huh. yeah bring them there's down a, there's a specific secret too that, that are yeah I'm not yeah that we at liberty to say but yeah so we use so we use it was really remarkable for me to to see water and 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 try like the pure distilled water from each place yes and then have that come out like almost texturally like so much of mezcal isn't for me and i think we were talking about it earlier mm. so much of mezcal for me isn't necessarily flavor as it is texture, texture. and mouthfeel yeah and how it makes your palate feel versus Absolutely. what you taste and i think the water really really influences that. Well, i learned a <clears> trick <throat> from him you know that any of the the water that we used to proof our sotol mm-hmm. we redistilled it from the same pot still so yeah, that it had the same elements yep. and the same kind of pH, if you will. Yeah, and I think that's brilliant because it, it transforms water that may be dissimilar yeah. in chemical quality, and then it brings it to a very similar language, and then thus it's better to proof with that. Yeah, it was remarkable to see when we were doing that in Miawatlan. Uh, so, like to try the water, it's very chalky, very very minerally. Yeah, and to see that come out, uh, like this minerality in the mezcal, to try it without having been to proof, and then trying it afterwards. Yeah. It was remarkable to see that texture still come out in the mezcal, and like it seemed to almost give like this sesame kind of pumpkin seed, pumpkin oil, yeah, kind of aroma on the wow. finish that made it much more savory, but like really, really rich and just unctuous. It was really, really. That's an amazing third that leg to to the product line too. Yeah, totally different. So techniques. unique. Yeah, yeah. different techniques and such a different style 
than any of our other two than either one of our other two producers. That's amazing. It's, it's really really incredible. So what do you? So you're gonna. I think we talked about it. You recently engaged. Congratulations. Thank you. You guys, you and Rachel, no dates yet, which isn't the, really the important part, but <laughs> that do you see yourself changing and becoming the family man once you you settle down, so to speak? I mean, is this going to still work traveling around like this? Uh, well, I mean, I, um, I don't really know. Like, we haven't really discussed it, that 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 aspect of it yeah. uh, too much. Um. So we got engaged uh, on November first. Mm-hmm. It was and you waited to tell everybody, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, she did this thing that I didn't really understand, which was her friend waited to tell her, so she was going to wait to tell her friend. So I gotcha. okay. we couldn't talk about it for a while, but yeah, we got engaged. I think November. It was November first. It was it was in it was in Oaxaca, um, and we decided that we're going to wait a couple years. So it'll be no, it'll be November of 2017. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, and a big part, like she just moved to Houston. She just got a job at a, an awesome wine bar called Camerata, yeah, which is on Westheimer, which is like one of the best wine bars in the city, if not the, the best. So amazing, she, you know, it's been a pretty big transition year for us, and we want to move soon. So we're going to kind of give ourselves some time to settle into new roles. Yeah. So. Uh, so you haven't? You're not there yet. No, no, not really. Day at a time. Um, yeah, we still that's got a lot, and it's good. You know, it would be hard with me traveling so much, and that's uh, my my employer mandate. You know, kind of mandated that i'm not allowed i'm not allowed to get to that point yet because that's, that's why <laughs> i got the job is, right yeah <laughs> i think that's why he, was, he went back to california to like spend some family time well, yeah yeah and same thing with his partner or with his partner dylan his business partner who he's known forever he also has a family in colorado which yeah. is why I, they were they were hunting for somebody who, who who did not have that 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 home calling to them as much right. as they did so the jet setter that they can mm-hmm. send on the road yeah, yeah. Go, go fetch their, all the brown M&Ms. Go freeze their ass <laughs> off in, in Providence and Seattle in, in December. And deal with, <laughs> with uh, perilous bouts of car crashes <laughs> and mezcal-fueled entertainment, I imagine. Very, very much so entertaining. How yeah. are you liking it so far? It's oh, it's good. been incredible, man. Like, I can't say it. Like, it's, it, I can't say enough. Like, A, like, my time spent in Oaxaca was unreal for me. Like, so much of this is a cultural thing that I feel like when I was younger, I had, and then growing up in Tucson and, and going to, to the schools that I went to and, yeah. and, and my college experience, I didn't really, it, it, I didn't realize how important it was, mm-hmm. but then getting older and leaving Tucson and not having that to be able to have this job that's kind of bringing me back to it uh, when I'm older and a little bit smarter. Um, I wouldn't dare say wiser because I'm only 32, but definitely smarter. You're um, wiser. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it definitely makes me appreciate it more. And it's been so important like to be able to share that and, and so much of what I talk about to people is uh, is 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 cultural because you know, and that's why I think about like being a, like a brand ambassador and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's not like working for like Campari or something, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, just doing for people doing laybacks, which is fun, and I love Campari. I have it all the time when I go out, you know, just not to pick <laughs> on it. But for me, it's it's not necessarily about going out and like doing a, a, all these happy hours and things like that. Like I really want to be able to talk to people about. Like I posted something the other day about like the printmaking scene that's in Oaxaca yeah, City, it's right? Like mezcal, I think, can be such a vehicle to pe- for people to see this culture that isn't really known, especially here in Texas and Arizona, like right. along the borderlands, right? Like you th- usually th- just think about like northern Mexico and things like that, and you know, once you get into the indigenous population and like some of the art and things like that, like. Things that you wouldn't hear about oh, if you were, yeah. unless you're there. Yeah, it's like yeah. such an incredible, and not everybody can go to Oaxaca, right, and see it, you know, right. And, 
So I think it's really important. That's one of the things. Although everybody should try. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Try to go. Yeah, definitely try and go quick, down. It's, quick flight out of Houston. Oh, yeah, FYI, man. Aeromexico, so. direct flight. No problem. Seriously. Um, but yeah, you know, like, it, it, I think it's so, I want to see all the Mezcal brands and like Mezcal as, an, as, a, as a category mm-hmm. use, their, use the product as, as, as an opportunity to kind of share the culture with, with people because there's so many different parts of it, whether it be culinary uh you know artistic right historical whatever historical, that, that history museum in Waka is amazing oh yeah beautiful yeah like there's all these there's an unbelievable number of like really cool tiny free museums in oaxaca city yeah like whether it's a textile museum they have like a stamp museum no there. shit yeah they have like a huge stamp museum which just opened up very rich but it's very rich culture it's i mean it's yeah. absolutely just literally colorful Yep, you know it's an amazing, amazing like, spot to be able to travel the country now and be able to do that has been has been. And everybody meeting the people, like the people who love agave, mm. really, really like. I feel like either people Trek, don't really dude. like it. Yeah, Star it, Trek it is. Man. People are dedicated. Nobody go is to like, oh, Star Trek's okay. They either love it. Or that's right. They're like, no one's nerds. lukewarm to it. Yeah, either they don't like it or they love it. Yeah, and that's the same thing with Mescal. And everybody that I met has like been so fucking cool and like rad and just love talking about it's it. It's the cool kids club. Yeah, ironically. Every, and it, I mean, it's it's not, but it is. Like everybody that likes mezcal, you know that you've got a brother in arms if you can drink tepestate together. Yeah, you know what I mean. No there, shit. There's something you know? about that. It's like it's like a frat in a sense without all the butt chugging. I just want to keep saying butt chugging. I like that that word as a verb. I mean, you, you know, you if went you to wanna, Arizona. If you want to butt chug, Mike, <laughs> all you have to do is just tell me, man. We'll butt chug. I just <laughs> rather drink it normal. It's tastes it's so delicious. I, um, there may like, be some other things that <laughs> I wouldn't want to take, but <laughs> but it's been like it's been incredible, man. Like I was in Seattle recently and and just talking to these girls, um, and just explaining to them like you know that entire you have it's not a life cycle. You have the entire life of the plant right in the bottle. That's you know? right. Like it's done, and people don't realize that you make mezcal, the plant's done. Yeah, right. It doesn't grow back. Um, Absolutely. It's not like grapes. It's not like whiskey. It's, it's not, not a grain. It's not like wheat. It's not like it's not a single grain. Yeah. It's the whole plant. It's not a. It's not a grass. It's not cane. Right. right? It's it's done and people gave its life to you yeah someone mentioned the other day yeah that's it's the entire it's that it's the entire life of that plant in a bottling which is remarkable and if you i don't know it's almost impossible for me to not feel something for lack of a better word spiritual about it i agree you know and like you say it's so transportive it really really is there's no other spirit that i think that really does that the way that that mezcal does maybe there's not maybe some rums or something some agricoles maybe not the same or not even fruit brandies necessarily, but yeah. like mezcal itself is just so such a unique. Do do you ever get afraid that these amazing sips and these amazing spirits that are made will catch on to a point in which we're not going to be able to enjoy it anymore? Um. Oh uh, yes, yes. Sorry, I don't know why I thought about. It. Yes, absolutely, I am. Um, and and that's one of the things I really want to network with people and kind of and have maybe the industry itself kind of work together cohesively to kind of promote that. And, and I mean, there's over, you know, there's eight, there's eight States that can make mezcal legally, yeah. but over 20 have a history of it, yeah. you know? And um, there, there's so many little palenques even within those eight States, but so many of them just don't have access because they can't get a uh, uh, inspector to come, right, you know, like right. get their samples. Um, there's, there's, you know, the, Oaxaca had such uh, I meant to look at the exact number. I think Oaxaca last year's soul was responsible for ninety percent of the mezcal wow. that came to market. Yeah. It's either nine I can't remember, it's either ninety percent of the mezcal that was sold was from Oaxaca 
75% of which was Espadine, or 75% came from Oaxaca and 90% of which was Espadine. Got it, got it, yeah. It's on the CRM website. Go check it out. Um, but yeah, such a, such, so much of the burden is, is, is on the state of Oaxaca to kind of hold up the entire industry. Mm-hmm. It really, really is, is kind of scary when you look at it as a big picture sense and like trying to get, trying to get uh, market access for, for people in other states, yeah. right? For, for producers in other states to kind right, of shoulder right. some of that burden. Um, Ray Campero has been great. Real Monero has been great. We've we've been great. We've all planted a lot of a lot of plants mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Right, right. Um, almost all of ours were from seed, Amazing. Uh, which has been incredible. People are really starting to look at it in 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 the bigger scheme of things. Um, there's a lot of prominent academics who are kind of getting a little bit more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, Ana Valenzuela has been a great one from from uh, Guadalajara, but I think she lives in Belgium now. But yeah. Um, there's Sarah Bowen from North Carolina State, right, who's right. a really, really great academic who did a lot of her graduate research on kind of like the denomination of origin mm-hmm. and how that really affects the people who live under it and how that affects the market and, and the industry as a whole. Um, so there's a lot of like really good academic papers that are being written now that, that I think if people, and we try and post them as much as we can, but if people actually go out and look and kind of read about where the industry is and, and, and how how the way that the market is structured, how it affects the plant itself, agave as a yeah. whole, and, and the mezcal industry. I think if people just kind of make themselves aware of that, they, they, it makes me very optimistic for, where, for, for, for the sustainability of the yeah. category. Um, but it's going to take a lot of work and like a lot of, a lot of people working together to really promote, those, to promote, to promote that approach to mezcal. Right. You know? Well, yeah. it's, man... Any opportunity I can have to just sit and sit mezcal and talk about it and get to know people. I mean, it's been, you know, I, I got to be honest, like I didn't really know much what to think of you. And I think I get that same impression when people just first meet me. They don't really. And that's fine. It's, it's fucking it's like tighten the bottle. It hasn't, it hasn't had air yet. Right. Yeah. It hasn't time to develop. But you are a brilliant dude. And I can't okay. imagine a better person and a more intelligent person and more academic person being in that position and working with Vago. And hope so. I, I hope I don't I get too. I hope, I hope I don't make it too dry for people. I no, still want no. To be it's it's great, man. Enjoyable, and it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And we got to dip into this other special Vago. Give that a taste with cool. these mesquite pots. So thanks so yeah. much for chatting with me, Francisco. Thank you, man. Thanks, it's been man. a blast. Well, there we have it. Another wonderful conversation with a brethren of mescal. You know, I'm very privileged to get to talk to people like Francisco and get to talk to people that have amazing insights as to the production of mezcal, the culture. And just recently this week, Francisco posted such a wonderfully academic, eye-opening, and informative article on fermentation as it pertains to mezcal on the whole, but mostly and specifically how it pertains to mezcal produced by Vago in Oaxaca. It is one of the best spirits on the planet, hands down. And there is a new Araqueño on Barro that I've yet to try. Lots of amazing things coming out of Vago, and I think that there's an amazing future in this industry, both academically and professionally, for Francisco Terrazas. So thanks again, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G., No matter what you're sipping, who you're arguing with, how long you've been growing that amazing beard, please keep dancing.